This is Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucaran, giving you eternal answers to challenging questions and providing reasons for faith in Christ. Can a church be abusive? What is spiritual abuse? Kevin Harris here with Pat Zucaran. This is a topic that is going to change many lives when you hear this. You may just come to realize that you've been a victim of spiritual abuse. What is it? We've actually got some excerpts here from uh, what we take to be spiritual abuse coming from the pulpit of one particular church. And I think that this excerpt that we're going to hear, Pat, here in just a moment, is a pretty good example of how spiritual abuse can can take place. Now, we're going to define what spiritual abuse is, but I want to ask you, Pat, what got you interested in this? You've written an article that's on evidenceandanswers.org that many people have read. In fact, it's one that really got my attention a few years ago. But what got you interested in this topic? Well, several years ago, Kevin, I was involved in a cult ministry out in San Diego, and one of the biggest churches on the university campus was the International Church of Christ, and they would fall in to the abusive church camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, outwardly, they seem to have orthodox doctrine, but it's their practice, their methodology that makes them cultic. And they were all over the University of San Diego and San Diego State and UC San Diego, and we were running into them all over the place, and we had to know how to defend the word, and also be able to point out to people what is it about this group that makes them cultic and something that should be avoided. And so that's where I got the interest. And then as I wrote the article, I realized that there were hundreds, thousands of people who had experienced spiritual abuse, people calling me, emailing me from all over the country uh, in tears on the phone saying, everything you've written is what I have experienced. Mm. And it was a sad thing to know that somewhere like the church, where it's supposed to be a safe place where we can meet Christ, experience the grace and the love of Christ, and experience healing, unfortunately is a place where a lot of people experience spiritual abuse, where they really open up their hearts and souls and end up really getting burned in the process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it... uh, developed and eventually I wrote my master's thesis on one of these groups, uh, the International Church of Christ. And right. so really that's how I uh, developed an interest in this. Yeah, no kidding. And it was it's much needed too in ministry. Now, from a Christian perspective, several authors have written on this uh, besides yourself. I mean, there have been some works done on it, some books done on it and so forth. And certainly secularists have written things on it. But from a Christian perspective is what we're interested in today. Right, there's several great resources out there. Uh, Ron Enroth wrote an award-winning book called Churches That Abuse. And also, uh, Ken Blue wrote another one here called Healing Spiritual Abuse. And uh, David Johnson and Jeff Van Vonderen wrote a book, The Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse. Those are uh, some of the best. I've got a couple articles out there on our website, evidenceandanswers.com. And I've got a master's thesis available out there uh, on the biggest uh, abusive church out there. So uh, there are a lot of great resources out there. And Stephen Arterburn has also written another great book called Toxic Faith. And so those are some great resources to look at to help you through this whole process. Absolutely. Now, people right now are leaning into the radio, I know, wanting to know what we mean by abusive churches. What is an abusive church? What is spiritual abuse and so forth? So let's get to some definitions. Right. We know the traditional cults, the Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses and groups like that, that deny the orthodox biblical doctrines, such as the Trinity, salvation by grace, um, the deity of Christ. 
Abusive churches, or they're also called Bible-based cults or authoritarian groups, they appear outwardly orthodox in doctrine. Uh, they would uphold to the Trinity. Many would teach uh, salvation by grace, though they don't practice it, uh, mm -hmm. the deity of Christ. So outwardly, they appear to be orthodox. It is their methodology that makes them cultic. The authoritarian leadership, the manipulation, the cultic kind of brainwashing that goes on, the use of guilt and pressure, that's what's, what makes them an abusive church. Mm. So that differentiates them from a traditional cult. They may hold to many orthodox essentials or even all the orthodox essentials of the Christian faith, yet their methodology is uh, 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 not biblical. Right, and they can be um, country, small country churches out in the woods, or they can be in mainline denominations. And when we're talking abusive churches, they vary. Some can be mildly abusive with some abusive practices, and others can be extremely abusive on the other end, very manipulative, very controlling, very rigid and legalistic. So there's a spectrum here. We're talking about churches that abuse spiritual abuse with Pat Zucaran. I want to invite you to get to his article at evidenceandanswers.com. Other resources, including this entire series that we're going to do on spiritual abuse. When you go to evidenceandanswers.com, when you go there and uh, get these resources, not only will you be equipping yourself, but you'll also be supporting Pat Zucaran in his ministry to hurting people and to people who need to know Christ. Now, Pat, what are some characteristics of an abusive church? Well, I'm going to quickly cover seven characteristics, and then we'll go into detail more later. But okay. there are seven characteristics that have been identified, and Dr. Ron Enroth uh, does a good job here in his book, Churches That Abuse. The first is abusive churches have a control-oriented or a very authoritarian style of leadership. Second, the leaders of such churches often use manipulation to gain complete submission from their members. Third, there's a rigid, legalistic lifestyle involving numerous requirements and often involve minute details of life, when you're going to get up, what classes, uh, if you're a college student, what classes you're going to take, where you're going to live, who you're going to date, things like that. Fourth, uh, there's a denouncing of other churches. Uh, this is common because these churches see themselves as superior to all other churches. They, uh, they have either superior teaching or they have the only kind of true teaching uh, that exists. Um, so the denouncing of other churches. Sixth, uh, fifth rather, these churches have a persecution complex and view themselves as being persecuted by the world, uh, the media and other Christian churches. Yeah, other Christian churches. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the isolation there uh, in the denouncing of other churches. Right, yeah, because ahead. they have the truth or are the only ones really living radically for Jesus. And all the other churches are are dead. There, you know, any kind of criticism they received is persecution. Persecution, mm. uh, like the church in Acts received. Yeah. Uh, six uh, abusive churches specifically tend to target young adults between eighteen and twenty-five years old. That's a good age when they're very vulnerable and idealistic. Uh, they give them a great cause to live for. And seventh, uh, the final mark uh, of abusive churches is the great difficulty members have in getting out or leaving these churches. Uh, this process is marked by social, psychological, and often emotional pain. Uh, so those are the seven characteristics of abusive churches. Those all scare me to death. And um, 
when, when I see them. Uh, all of these can lead to damage. They can lead to crisis of faith, manipulation, and so many things that are going on here. Now, Pat, you're first on the list, and that is that these churches tend to be very authoritarian. Now, I'll say this. This can be any church or any denomination, can it? It can, right. it can be a, a church that is a, of a particular denomination, yet the pastor or the leadership, the bent of the church, lends towards spiritual abuse. And could be very authoritarian. So this this goes with all denominations, doesn't it? Right. This is something that uh, we really need to be aware of uh, in all denominations. Now, some groups are really marked by this, but this can creep into any church. Right. Uh-huh. Gotcha. And a lot of it begins with the uh, leadership. It's a very control-oriented or authoritarian style of leadership. The leader in, in an abusive church is often dogmatic, self-confident, arrogant, and wants to be the spiritual focal point in the lives of his followers. So the leader here assumes he's more spiritual, you know, he's more in tune with God than anyone else. He claims insight into the scripture that no one else may have, or he may state that he receives personal revelation from God. So because of such claims, the leader's position and beliefs cannot be questioned. His statements are final. You know, to question him is equivalent to questioning God. Now that may not be outwardly stated, but that is the pressure that you feel. Should you ask him questions that he doesn't like, or should you just question uh, what the church is doing or something about his teaching? Uh, you'll feel intimidation and pressure there to be quiet and don't question this man. Questioning him is like questioning God. That's some of the characteristics of the control-oriented or, or yeah, authoritarian. authoritarian kinds of leaders. Pat, it just occurred to me that if a, a person of a sound mind and some spiritual maturity were in uh, attending a church like this and saw this going on, they, uh, for the most part, usually will, will get out of there uh, and wouldn't put up with it. What that leaves then is the more gullible and vulnerable of the membership who would stay, who would take the abuse, and then therefore perpetuate the abuse and even pass it down to their, their children, you know, and so forth. So it's there's a weeding out process, and maybe some people attracted to this kind of thing. Right, right. And often in these kinds of movements, the leader often makes personal decisions for his followers. Uh, Individual thinking is prohibited. And the goal then is that the followers become dependent on the leader. And in this kind of hierarchy, the leader is or tends to be accountable to no one. You know, there may be a deacon board or an elder board, but it's usually made up of men who are loyal to him and, and will never disagree with him. Yeah. And so really, there's no one he's really accountable to. And this style of leadership, you know, is clearly not endorsed anywhere in the Bible. Yeah, in fact, we've got a couple of scriptures uh, to look at here in just a moment that are going to completely uh, denounce this. And as well, I'm, we're going to play you a clip from the pulpit of a church. You're going to get to hear firsthand the spiritual abuse and manipulation going on. Very manipulative and abusive from the pulpit. Why don't you set this up and we'll play it. Yeah, this is from Victory Outreach out there in California. Um, This is from a particular group out there. Not all groups out there named Victory Outreach are bad. This is just one particular one, and he is addressing his congregation here about really the credit for your spiritual success and growth is really the church and particularly the leader of the church and that's something you should not forget that you are indebted to the leader of the church not to God but to the leader of the church mm-hmm. and the church itself let's go to this clip then. It's the same thing with pastors 
Your pastor works with you, gives you the vision. He entrusts with you with the vision. And even though you're all messed up and really don't got it together, he believes in you and he launches you out. And then once you're out there and you got your little church, your little disciples, your little building, your little wife, your little vision, all of a sudden you forget who sent you there in the first place. Then all of a sudden you see your pastor and you go, how are you doing, brother? Where before he's your pastor and all of a sudden you put yourself on that level. All of a sudden you say, well, I, I got my inheritance now. Listen to me, buddy. Listen to me, knucklehead. You forgot who gave you that vision in the first place. You forgot who prayed for you. You forgot who told you about Jesus. You forgot who gave their lives for you. Have you been harmed by an overly authoritarian church, manipulative church? Are you involved in one now? We're talking about the characteristics of this, and um, there are several characteristics, Pat. Overly authoritarian harsh treatment of its members and we discuss the authoritarian position often of a, of a pastor uh let's talk a little bit about the second characteristic and that is manipulation yes uh, authoritarian leaders their goal is to get people in the congregation totally dependent upon the church and so they'll use manipulation to get the members to conform to what they want now manipulation what i mean is this the use of external forces to get others to do what you want them to do. And here in abusive churches, manipulation is used to get people to submit to the leadership of the church. So tactics are used uh, such as guilt, tremendous peer pressure, intimidation, threats of divine judgment from God for any kind of disobedience. Often the church will practice harsh discipline and it's carried out publicly. Members will be ridiculed or humiliated publicly. Their sins revealed publicly to bring them back into submission or into uh, conformity with the church. Another tactic that we may hear here is called the shepherding philosophy. And it's practiced in many abusive churches. And what the shepherding movement did is that it requires every member to have a personal accountability partner, supposedly a more mature Christian who watches over your soul. And you to meet with this discipler every night and confess all your sins to him, even some very intimate sins. And should you ever step out of line or not conform to his ideal model of a disciple, often these sins will be revealed and used against you. So it's another means of control um, that is used in these churches. Pat, I've run into this a lot, uh, the shepherding movement. Now, what this is, is this is... Uh, an extreme form of accountability because there's nothing wrong with accountability and support. But this is an abuse of accountability. Uh, I think that you probably noticed the International Church of Christ, uh, a girl that I met that was involved in it, she had two disciplers. They called her every night. In fact, they called her constantly, asked her if she'd done her quiet time, her prayer, asked her if she'd sinned, asked her if she'd read the Bible, 
They were on her all the time. She had two of them on her. So uh, whether it's one or two or three or whatever, uh, the shepherding movement is characteristic of a harsh kind of accountability. Right, and that's very different from what we see in the New Testament where uh, Jesus and the disciples motivated by uh, were motivated by love, and everything they did was out of uh, the desire to really love their disciples and see them become everything God wanted them to be, not to control them, to conform them to their image, but to actually free them to become all that God meant for them to be. And, and that's very different uh, from what we're seeing here in this kind of movement here. Now, the result of authoritarian and manipulation could lead to the third characteristic of an abusive church, and that is legalistic lifestyle. Right. third characteristic of abusive churches is the rigid legalistic lifestyle of their members. As you said, Kevin, it's a natural result of this kind of leadership. Abusive churches require unwavering devotion to the church from their followers. Devotion to the church, attending all church activities, is equivalent to devotion to God. So there's a difference there. As healthy churches, we strive to make people independently dependent on God himself. In abusive or unhealthy churches, the goal is to get people to be committed to the church and dependent upon the church, and their life revolves around the church. And abusive churches require unwavering devotion to the church. Allegiance to the church has priority over, you know, actually allegiance to, to God, family, or anything else. And often members are required to attend all church functions. Uh, sometimes, in some cases, there are Bible studies, five, six, seven days a week, in which uh, members must get up early in the morning and attend, and then attend again in the evening. Uh, there's a requirement in many to do evangelism, a certain quota must be met. In some cases, we've heard of people having to fill out timesheets of how many times they evangelize and how long. In really? some cases, right, daily schedules are laid out for the disciples. Uh, there's one uh, case in which a former member told me that uh, they were working for the church from 5 a.m. to midnight, five days a week. You know, and in between that, they had their job and their family and all of that. <laughs> Um, so members of such churches, they frequently drop out of school, you know, quit working, even neglect their families to do the work of the church. And there's also other things, you know, guidelines for dress, uh, who you're going to date, finances. You know, the church wants to make sure that you're giving your tithe. Uh, such details are held as major importance in these kinds of groups. And in churches like these, people begin really to lose their personal identity. You know, they start acting like program robots. And many times the pressure and demands of the church will cause a member to have a uh, nervous breakdown or fall into some kind of severe depression. Mm. And you know what's so insidious and deceptive about this, Pat, is that this legalistic lifestyle and this harsh treatment can be uh, hidden under the guise of devotion to Christ. Right. Look how radical this Christian is. Let's ha Look how... Radically, he lives for the Lord. God, uh, help us all to do that kind of a thing. Right. That's the danger of it. It's couched in these spiritual terms. I remember a girl who did not see her family for years because she was involved in this kind of church. And when I finally found her, you know, of course, these groups often isolate 
their members from people outside the group. That's another manipulation tactic. But when I began to talk to her, she was using a lot of Bible verses to back up her lifestyle of not seeing her family who did not belong to that church. She talked about uh, those verses on discipleship. You must hate your mother and father. Uh, mm. Hate even your own life for my sake. And, and she felt that this is what she was doing. And we had to talk to her about, well, what about the passages of honoring your mother and father, about love? And uh, she just kept going back to these verses of how we need to leave everything and follow after God. And what she was really saying is we need to leave everything and follow this church and do everything they say. Absolutely. Now, let me emphasize again, Pat, that you've pointed out that these are not the traditional cults that uh, are aberrant Christian theology or that deny the essentials, but these are often churches that hold to the orthodox essentials and yet are cultic in their manipulation, legalism, and, uh, and denouncing of other churches is another characteristic. Right. And you know, as you stated, Kevin, it's such a contrast to what we see in the New Testament when Jesus denounced these kinds of leaders. You know, concerning the Pharisees in Matthew 23, he says, they tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger. In contrast, Jesus said, you know, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. A lot of people in abusive situations do not experience the rest that God has for them. They're constantly busy. They're constantly on the go, constantly trying to meet the demands placed upon them to be a worthy disciple of Christ or a member of the church. And that's, that's really tough on them. Mm. Uh, you mentioned denouncing other churches. You know, they see themselves as spiritual, spiritually elite. You know, we are the ones that are really only ones living the radical life for Jesus. They feel that they alone have the truth and all of the churches really are, are corrupt. So often they do not associate with other churches. They often refer to themselves as some kind of special name. There's groups who call themselves God's Green Berets or the Faithful Remnant or God's End Time Army, giving them some kind of elite status. So there is a sense of pride in abusive churches because members feel they have a special relationship with God and are part of His special movement in the world. In fact, Dr. Ron Enroth in his book, Churches That Abuse quotes a former member of one such group, and this person states, although we didn't come right out and say it, in our innermost hearts we really felt that there was no place in the world like our assembly. We thought the rest of Christianity was out to lunch. So mm. there's this elitist mentality. Yeah. Now that leads to the fifth characteristic. It seems these just fall right into logical line, persecution complex, because therefore... You denounce other churches and they're not as sold out to the Lord as you are and so forth, then uh, any criticism leveled against you, including what you're doing here, Pat, is persecution. Right. Because they see themselves as elite, they, they expect persecution. And in fact, they even feed off of it. So any kind of criticism, exposure by the media or other Christian ministries are seen as proof that they are indeed the true church, mm. just as what the church in Acts experienced and they're being persecuted by Satan. But the persecution they are receiving uh, is different from the persecution that Jesus and the apostles received. Jesus and the apostles were persecuted for preaching the truth. But abusive churches here bring on much of their negative press because of their cultic methodology. Yeah, if we're going to get persecuted, let's make sure it's for the right reasons. <laughs> right. You know? oh, my that, that's what makes it difficult to witness 
because any kind of of persecution or criticism, they're immediately going to attribute to Satan, and and you see how we are the true church being persecuted by everyone else as Jesus did. They're stuck in that mindset, so it takes a lot of prayer and a lot of hard work to really break through that kind of wall that's set up there. We want to thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerin on this timely topic and remind you that you can get this entire series at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find some of the best resources on presenting and defending your faith in Christ to an increasingly skeptical world at evidenceandanswers.org. World religions, atheism, the cults, the occult, apologetics, scientific and philosophical arguments for the existence of God, creation and evolution, the reliability of the Bible, archaeology and history, and the end times, to name but just a few. There's a new feature on our website called iShows, where you can download each individual show for just $2.50 on our website, evidenceandanswers.org. Just like you download a song on iTunes, these are iShows that you can download each individual show you want. And we got some of the top scholars on there. Evidence and Answers is supported by you, the listener, who appreciates a program that gives good answers to good questions. Our calling is to do what the Apostle Paul did on Mars Hill in Athens. He presented and defended the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'll help you do the same by the grace of God. Just go to evidenceandanswers.org and any gift or purchase of resources will be a tremendous encouragement to us. And remember that this entire series is available at evidenceandanswers.org. This has been Kevin Harris. Thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerin. God bless and thanks so much for listening. Evidence and